Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. What is love? There are a lot of songs that literally ask that question. You ever heard that old song? It's like, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt. And then there's the, um, um, I want to know what love is. I want you to show. Ben Whitmore, he knows his 80s. Okay. So there's all kinds of songs saying, what is love? And it's interesting how that word is used so, like, often, but it doesn't really mean a whole lot, it seems like, these days. So I've got a few questions. How many of y'all love pizza? I mean, you love pizza. How many of y'all, if, if, you're, if, you're, if, if your man got you, or your woman got you one of those heart-shaped pizzas on Valentine's Day, that would be enough. That would be enough. I don't, need the, I don't need the flowers, I don't need the chocolate, just give me the pizza. A lot of people say they love pizza. Well, does that mean like you're going to like marry the pizza? Does that mean you're going to like dedicate your life to the pizza? Does that mean you're going to go get a job and try to earn a living to support your pizza? Probably not. But people say they love pizza. Um, man, is love hunting? How many of y'all love to hunt? How many of y'all love to just watch those deer just hit the ground? You know? How many of y'all that really disturbed you what I just did? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Um, you, you, you can, we'll, we'll, I'll counsel you later. Um, but I love to hunt. I love to get up early in the morning. I love to spray deer urine on my boots to cover the scent as I'm walking into the woods. I love the, I love the smell when I'm gutting the deer. I love hunting. But uh, I don't know. I don't really uh, have a romantic interest in deer. Now there's a quote you can put on the next board you make, right? Is love sports? Yeah, you know... You knew I had to put that one on. Hey, it was either this or a bare-chested picture of Jason Kelsey. Okay? So, um, so yeah. So, so, is love sports? I mean, think about it. Think about it. Some of y'all dedicate an extraordinary amount of your time to whatever sport it is uh, that, that, that you play. I mean, you get, up, you, you get up early and go to practice in the summer. You lift weights. You get in a bus full of a bunch of other sweaty athletes and drive into, you know, Lost Creek, West Virginia or wherever you go to play some, you know, redneck team because you want to play and you want to win. Um, is, is love sports? A lot of people say, I love football, I love basketball, I love soccer, I love whatever other kind of sport, underwater basket weaving, golf, uh, you know, any, whatever the sport is. Yeah, I guess you could love sports, but I mean, I've never seen anybody marry a soccer ball, right? Um, is, so is love marriage? I don't know. Um, that's a picture of April and I, by the way, um, you know, when, when we got married. And that was right before, like, I just, like, covered her face with our wedding cake. You can see I'm going in. She got me, like, a little bit, you know. You know how you're supposed to do that, smash the cake on you. So she got, like, a little bit on my cheek. I'm like... I'm all in on this marriage. So I just, I just went for it. Um, anyway, uh, is love marriage? That might be close. I would hope there's some love in the marriages in our, our world today. But do you see how love can be used in so many different ways? So many different like, ways that you can say, I love this and I love that. So what does love mean? Because Jesus here tells us that we're supposed to love one another. Are we supposed to love each other like we love pizza? 
We supposed to love each other like we love seeing deer just hit the ground? How are we, what, what does Jesus mean when he says we're supposed to love each other? We're in this series called Abide. And we're going through what's called the upper room passage of scripture. So you can go to turn to John 13 if you want to as, as, we're, as we're getting there. And, and this is an interesting passage. Who wrote the book of John? We're going to do a little review here. It's John, it's been two weeks. John, um, what's special about the book of John? It's not like the other Gospels. Why? It's not the synoptic. Oh, Gabe's, Gabe, Gabe got a good word here. Gabe said it's not like the synoptic Gospels. It's a, it's a different perspective. It's a different point of view on the same things that Jesus did. He's writing about the same Jesus, the same life, but he's writing about different parts of that life that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, a lot of them didn't write about. So good. That's good. Jason, Gabe, you're listening. So why did John write this book? Gabe, my goodness, he's on it. It was written, this is John's words, inspired by God. These words, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name. This book informs us a lot of a lot of things. But the real reason we have this, the real reason God moved the hand of John to write about what Jesus did is so that we could read this and we could trust that Jesus is who he says he is and that we could find eternal life. We could find salvation. We could get an eternal home in heaven through what we're reading here. So, tonight we're going to be talking about where Jesus tells us that we should love one another. And if you kind of had to boil it down to the skinny, get it right down to the skinny, what are we talking about tonight? It's this, abiding in Jesus means loving one another. You can't live in a relationship with Jesus if you're not loving Jesus' people. And that's what we're going to be getting into tonight. And that's why I said, this is one of those concepts, it's so easy to understand. You don't have to look up a bunch of Greek words to see what Jesus is saying here. He literally says, y'all got to love each other. The hardest part of that is obeying it, isn't it? Because some of y'all can be a little salty. Look at the person next to you and tell them they can be a little salty. You can be a little salty. You can be a little salty. So, let's go ahead... Let's go ahead and jump in. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into John chapter 13. Now, it's been two weeks. Does anybody remember what happened two weeks ago in John 13? In verse 30. Ethan, what happened? Yeah, Judas betrayed Jesus. And, and Jesus told John, the other disciples didn't know. He's like, the guy that I'm going to like dip my nachos in. It wasn't really nachos. It was a Passover meal. The guy that I'm going to dip this piece of bread in and give it to him. He's the one that's going to betray me. So Jesus dipped, you know, dipped, dipped the bread in, in, into this, you know, this paschal stew. He gave it to Judas. Judas ate it. And Jesus said, whatever you got to do, go do it. And Judas left to go and betray Jesus. All the other disciples, they had no idea what was going on. So then... In John chapter 13, let's start reading together. It says, when he had gone out. Well, who is he? Judas. See, it's connecting you back to what we just talked about two weeks ago. Judas left. That set something off. It says, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children. Say that. Say little children. Little children. It's not like children. It's children. Okay, there's a difference. <laughs> yeah. Little children. Yet a little while I'm with you. 
You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, now I say to you, where I'm going, you will not go. Here it goes. Here it is. A new command I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this will all people know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. Let's pray. Now, God, as we read your word, now as we think about these incredibly difficult words to obey, now, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will stir up inside us the power we need to live this out the way you want us to live it out. God, we know what we're supposed to do, but we find ourselves falling short so often because you set the bar so high. But God, thank you that through the gospel, we can live this life. And God, I pray that you'll give us the strength to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're gonna just kind of break this passage down real quick because we're gonna get right to how to live it out. Does that make sense? We're gonna get right to living it out. And here's how we're gonna break it down. What you're gonna see here is your, I'm gonna change my color up. It's, it's a pink time. What you're gonna see is that Jesus tells his disciple, tells his disciples two things. Do you know what they are? The first is that the Son of Man is glorified. That's number one. The second thing he tells them is that he's going to be going soon. So the first is he tells them about the glory. The second, he says, I'm going. I'm leaving. So let's, let's develop that a little bit, and then we're going, to, we're going to go into the command here. Jesus tells them first that he'd be glorified. What does Jesus mean by that? Well, let's look, at the, let's look at the passage here. It's going to get real, real, real quick, okay? So hang tight. Let's look at what Jesus says. He says, now, not later. You may want to circle that in your Bible. Now, the Son of Man is glorified. What does it, what, what does it mean that Jesus was glorified? And why did he say now? Did Jesus look any different than he did before he said now? Did Jesus like have like light beams like, like shooting out of his skin? Is that how he was glorified? What does it mean that he says now the son of man is glorified? What Jesus was talking about here is that from this point on, Judas left. And from this point on, Jesus, his season of life that would happen over the next three days would be unbelievable and would point to him and it, it would give him glory. How did Jesus, how was he glorified? Well, there's, there's three things. The first is that he, he died, he died for our sins. He died in our place. The second is that he rose again. And the third is that, you know what I mean when I say ascended, that he ascended back to heaven. When Jesus is talking, you hear, you see this all throughout the book of John. It says, Jesus says, my hour, we talked about this a few weeks ago, my hour hasn't come. My hour hasn't come. My hour hasn't come. And then all of a sudden, boom, John chapter 12, Jesus says, the hour's here. It's go time. It's time to put this plan into action. And from the moment that Judas stepped out to betray Jesus, it set in effect all of these like, like, like circumstances to where Jesus would die. He didn't deserve to die. He would die and he would pay for our sins on the cross. He was the only perfect person to ever live. He was the only one who could sacrifice himself for our sins. He died on the cross. And there's, no more, there, there's nothing more glorious to think about than the fact that Jesus loved you so much that the nails didn't hold him onto the cross. His love for you held him onto the cross. So he was glorified through his death. But then three days he was dead. He laid in a grave and three days later he rose. Incredible. 
Incredible. You talk about glory. Jesus was walking and talking with over 500 people before he went back to heaven who saw him with their own two eyes in a physical body, nail prints in his hand, a spear print in his side, walking, talking, eating food. Wow. All glory to God right? And then he was on the Mount of Olives. Jesus was with his disciples. And what happens? All of a sudden, Jesus starts levitating. He goes up through a cloud and he says, go make disciples. I'm coming back. And what happened after Jesus went up through that cloud and, and the disciples, you know, like when you put a balloon up in the sky and it's just going and you're trying to squint, and you're trying to see that balloon. Eventually, you just can't see it anymore. When they couldn't see Jesus anymore, where did Jesus end up? Does anybody know where Jesus is? It's where he is today. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father in glory. So when Jesus said, now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified, he's talking about that point in time for when Judas said, peace out, I'm going to go betray you until he died for our sins, Rose from, the, rose from the dead and ascended back to heaven. And now he is being worshipped by angels and by, 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 these, you know, by the, you know, the creatures that Gabe and I love to talk about that are, that are, that are giving glory to, to, to God the Father and to God the Son. And we're going to get into more of that later in this passage because he brings this back up. So the first thing that we see, he tells them that he'd be glorified. The second, this is the tough one. This is the one that made them all freak out. He says he would be gone. What does he say? He says, little children, that's a term of endearment. You know, John was the one that he was listening and he's writing this stuff down. Oh, he said, little children. You know, that turns into one of John's favorite themes. If you read the book of 1 John, you know what the book of 1 John, as John is writing to other Christians to disciple them and help them, he calls them little children, little children. Hey, little children. Hey, little children. It's just a way of saying, hey, my sons and daughters in the faith. When Jesus is saying that here, he loves his disciples. That's another sign of love, isn't it? Little children. Yet only a little while I am with you. And this is even worse. He says, where I'm going, you can't come. What, we, what we'll see next week is this caused the disciples to freak. Because Jesus goes into this explanation about how we're supposed to love each other. And Jesus, his plan was to go, was, was to talk about this for a long period of time. But the disciples get so distraught that Peter interrupts him. And he says, where are you going? Hey, you, you can't leave us. We've been with you for three years. We gave up everything to follow you. Our whole identity is tied to you. Like, you're the, you, you, we saw you heal people. We saw you bring people back from the dead. We saw you do all these incredible things. And, and, and our hearts have become so attached to you. We could never survive without you. It, it caused them a lot of disturbance. And we're going to see that in the next two weeks here. He says, where I'm going, you cannot come. That news hit the disciples hard. It was, it was on the questionnaire that you filled out, but have you ever lost a loved one? And you would give everything, you'd give everything just to have an hour with them, just to be able to have a conversation with them one more time. Some even, you know, they're in heaven and they're in glory with Jesus and they're great, but you would just love to talk to them. That, that's what the disciples are thinking right here. They're thinking, we could never live without Jesus with us. But Jesus knows that he's going to be gone and he knows that he needs to leave instructions for his disciples. They say, this is the, the big ter terminology that, you know, all the theologians, they call it Jesus' farewell discourse, his farewell speech. You can read other famous farewell speeches in the Bible. Moses gave a farewell speech. Joshua gave a farewell speech. David gave a farewell speech. And they usually leave some final instructions. And this is Jesus' farewell speech. And what does Jesus say? After he tells his disciples he's going to be glorified and that he's going to be gone. 
he tells them to do one thing. Love one another. He says, a new commandment I give to you. We're going to come back to that new commandment. That you love one another. That is the big commandment. But Jesus says it's a new commandment. Why would he say that? Why would Jesus say that it's a new commandment? Because I can go back in the Old Testament. You know what I can find? I can find Jesus telling us that we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I can find that Jesus says that we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves in Leviticus chapter 16. So why would Jesus say that this is a new command that we're supposed to love one another? Well, if you look up this word, and this is the only Greek word we're going to really, really, really look up here. You know what this word means? It means fresh. It's a fresh command. He, bring, he brings new life into it. I kind of took, took the, the, the idea of, yeah, I got this person laying on a pillow. You ever been in the middle of the night, you're laying on a pillow, and your face starts to get kind of hot? What do you do? You flip the pillow over. Doesn't, like, doesn't the cool side of the pillow feel so good, right? It's the same pillow. You've been laying on it all night, but you flip that pillow over, you discover this other cool side of the pillow, and you're just like, ah. Oh. Right? And Jesus, he's not, he's not giving us a new command in the sense that he's never told us we're supposed to love people. He's given it to us in a fresh way. And we're going to see why it's a fresh way here in a second. But I don't, I don't share many quotes, but I thought this quote was so good that I wanted to share it with you. And here's the quote. It's by a guy I like to read. His name is D.A. Carson. He's dead. I like to read dead guys because I know they can't screw up. Um, and here's what he said. He said, this new command is simple enough for a toddler to memorize and appreciate it. A toddler could memorize love one another, right? He said, it's simple enough for a toddler to come memorize it and appreciate it, but it's profound enough that the most mature believers are repeatedly embarrassed at how poorly they comprehend it and put it into practice. You'll meet a lot of people who know a lot about the Bible, but they're not living this. You've probably met Christians who could tell you, you know, chapter, verse, you're not supposed to do this, you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to dress this way, you're supposed to talk this way, but they've missed the fresh command. Love one another. They ain't living it. They can quote it. They learned it in Awana. Any Awana kids out there? If they learned it in Awana, but they're not living it. So the emphasis here is that we need to live it. This is a fresh command. And he's going to go on to talk. He gets interrupted by Peter in the next passage we're going to look at next week. But then he goes back in chapter 15 and he goes all in. I mean, he's bawling when it comes to love. He's just like you know, spitting you know, love, you know, love, 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 love. And that's coming. But there are a few interesting things about this command that Jesus um, gives us about why it is a fresh command. And I'm going to try to bust through these real quick. Let's look at it. Love comes alive when we see this command as a fresh command. The first is love comes alive when we follow Jesus' example. Look what he says. How are we supposed to love one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ? It says, just as I have loved you. Wow. Do you see how high Jesus set the bar here for love? Just how high did Jesus set the bar? Think about 
Think about Jesus' love. It was selfless. Jesus gave up the glory of heaven to live on this dust ball called earth. His love was steady. You know, the beginning of this chapter here, chapter 13, it says Jesus loved his disciples to the end. Even when they were turds, he still loved them. Right? He was steady in the way that he loved. He was servant-hearted in the way that he loved. In this chapter, we see Jesus washing the feet Oh, I hate feet. Washing the feet of his disciples. He was, a ser- he was servant-hearted. He, he said the Son of Man didn't come to ser- be served, but came to serve. And then finally, it was sacrificial. Jesus is saying this in the middle of his hour, in the middle of this moment where he's getting ready to die for the sins of all humankind. It's a sacrificial kind of love. So the question is, do we love each other selflessly? Do we love each other steadily? Do we love each other with servant, heart, servant hearts? Do we love each other in a sacrificial way that we give up so that others can? I, I, I took an inventory of myself and I realized I fall short here. I don't know about you. I fall short here. So love comes alive when we follow two F words, follow Jesus' example but love comes alive when we forge our identity around Jesus' command not only are we supposed to love him love each other the way he loved us, but he says this by this all people, it's in the middle school girls tag room, isn't it, this verse by this all people will know that you're my disciples how? if you have love for one another I think a lot of Christians have missed this point I think a lot of Christians think that others will know how much we love Jesus by how precise we are with our, like, theology. If we can say all the isms and all the schisms and all the spasms in the Bible, that we must really love God. Some people think that being a Christian means it's just a big party. Hey, we got you know, ping pong, foosball downstairs. We're going to go on the amazing race and get banned from 50 places in Huntington in a month. You know, we're going you know, to have fun at the rec center. You know, it's fun, 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 fun. Some people think our identity is just that it's a big old party. Some people think I, I, you know, we identify ourselves as Christians by our social media activity. Like we share all the right Christian accounts and we have a little verse in our bio with a little cross next to it. We'll repost some refuel stuff and people think we're real Christians. Or some. Some of us, we try to identify ourselves as Christians by what we're against. You know, there's a lot, there are a lot of Christians that have built their whole identity on opposing this and opposing that and, and saying this is wrong and that is wrong. And there's a time to speak up, don't get me wrong. But what is our identity supposed to be? What, you know what I mean by forge? One time I had a blacksmith up here and there's actually still a scorch mark right here to prove it. But when I think of forge, I think of a blacksmith and, 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 and taking off the rough edges and, and shaping something. In the, and our love for each other is what's supposed to shape our identity more than anything else. So the question is, do we love each other in the way that Jesus told us that we're supposed to love each other? If you're honest like me, if you're honest like me, we fall short. So, sometimes the reason that we don't love each other the way we should is because we've lost sight of Jesus' command, the fresh command. Sometimes the reason we don't love each other the way that we should is because we've forgotten how much each of us need to be loved. So now, you may grab your piece of paper. 
And are there any extras back there that someone could run up to me? So here's what I want you to do as, um, yeah, as I'm reading some of these off. I, I, what I'm calling this is stand up for your student ministry. The paper that you have is not the paper you filled out, right? So, thank you, Brian. Yes, sir. Somebody else has your paper. And you have someone else's paper. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read off these questions. If on, on, on the paper that you have, this is not your paper, this is someone else's. If on the paper you have, someone has circled that question or answered yes to that question, after I read the question, I want you to stand. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is so that we can understand the needs, spiritual needs that are represented in our student ministry. And so that we can develop a heart for the people that are sitting next to us and sitting across from us. Does that make sense? Are you following me? Is anyone confused? Okay, so I'm going to read through these. And if yours has been answered yes, I want you to stand in, in place for that person. And as we're doing this, I want you to look around and I want you to, I, I, my, my, my prayer is that God melts our hearts for the people that we see every week here at Refuel. You ready? Here we go. Question number one. I've been physically, sexually, or emotionally abused. Will you stand? Thank you. You can sit down. The next one. I've been offered alcohol by someone. Thank you, guys. You can sit down. Number three. I constantly fight with one or both of my parents. Thank you, guys. Number four. One or both of my parents do not attend church. Thank you. Number five, my parents are separated or divorced. Thank you. Number six, I've intentionally hurt myself. Thank you. Number seven, I've thought about hurting myself. Thank you, guys. Number eight, I get bullied at school. Thank you, guys. Number nine, someone close to me has died in the past year. Wow. Thank you, guys. Number 10, I've been offered drugs. Thank you. Number 11, I struggle with depression. Thank you, guys. Number 12, I'm concerned that my family won't have enough money. Thank you. Number 13, I feel like there's no one I can safely talk to about my fears and problems. Thank you, guys. You guys can have a seat. What I want you to do is I want you to hold on to that, and I want you to be in prayer for whoever that was that filled out that, filled out that card. Fold it, put it in your Bible. That's yours. That's, that's how to pray. I'm going to share five ways that we can love each other. But before I do that, I want to share a story that goes all the way back to the year 200. The year, two, excuse me, the year 100. There's a guy named Tertullian. That's a cool name. Anybody ever heard that name? That's a good name. Tertullian. Kind of sounds like Turtle Man. 
But he was a leader in a church in North Africa, which was where Christianity was really spreading at the time. And he wrote, he wrote a, a letter, or a, it was almost a book, and it was called The Apology because so many people felt like Christians were suspect. Because this was a new thing. It had only been around for like a hundred years. And, and the reason most people suspected Christianity was because they love, the, the Christians loved each other so much. They're like, something's got to be weird here. This has got to be some kind of cult-like thing. There has to be like some kind of romantic or, or like, like, like uh, immoral aspect to this because we've never seen a group of people get together so often behind closed doors and love each other so much. So Tertullian... Turtle Man, in the year 100, wrote to some of these skeptics. And here are some of the questions that these skeptics were asking. Why do they meet for love feasts? Love feasts were pretty much like the potlucks Baptists have now. They would all get together and they would share food with each other. And they'd call them love feasts. And they're like, why do, why do they meet for love feasts? That sounds creepy. Why do they call each other brother and sister? You know, you're my brother, you're my sisters and brothers in Christ. Why do they call each other brothers and sisters? Why do they seem more concerned with the needs of other Christians than their own family? These are the questions that they were asking. And one of them wrote to Tertullian and said this. And he meant it as an insult. He said, see how they love one another. For the rest of us are motivated by mutual hatred. We're just trying to get one up on each other. But they're ready to even die for each other. See how they love one another. Wouldn't it be incredible if people were look, kind of looking in from the outside at refuel at all of us and they would say, I don't know if I agree with what they teach. I'm still a little on the fence about Jesus, about Christianity. I'm not sure if I believe like the book that they're reading but look at how they love each other. I've never seen anything like that. That's the kind of love that Jesus is talking about here. A love that hurts when we hurt. A love that cares for people when they need to be cared for. A love that shares with people who are in need. That's the kind of love that Jesus has called us to. So how do we love like Jesus? Write down these five hour words and we're going to get out of here. The first, first way we love each other is we have to show rugged love to people. Sometimes, like I said, Christians are salty. Be patient with them. <laughs> Discover what's going on beneath the surface. You realize now, right, when we did the stand up for your youth group, there's a lot going on underneath the surface. And sometimes that's the reason we're salty. It's because we're going through stuff. Be like Jesus. Let's love each other to the end. The next is root. Root for them. Celebrate when they're winning at life. One of the hardest things sometimes is when you, <laughs> you're just like Alexander having the not so good, terrible, very bad day or however that's, you remember that kid's book? Like Alexander, the not good, terrible. You're having a bad day and one of your brothers or sisters in Christ is just bawling outrageous. It's hard sometimes for me to be happy when others succeed and I'm not. Because they're my brothers and sisters in Christ because I'm called to love them. I'm going to gas them up. Third, reps. You're not going to grow in the gym if you, don't have, if you don't get reps in. It's the same way with us. 
You know, love is, this is actually from a country song, but we're redeeming it for, for, for church. The country song goes, women spell love, T-I-M-E. Guys, just file that away for later. But you know, Christians spell love, T-I-M-E. If being with God's people isn't a priority, how can you love them? If being around, you, you can't love, if COVID taught us anything, it's how lame virtual stuff is, right? <laughs> like, 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 that's lame. You can't love people from a distance. You got to be up close and personal. We got to get reps with each other. Uh, what I love and what I've been seeing is so many of you, are, it, it's not just a, a Wednesday night thing. It's a throughout the week thing. It's a getting together thing. We got to get reps with each other. The next is Restore. When appropriate. There's sometimes, if you've been hurt in a certain way, or there's maybe someone in your family who is a Christian, but has hurt you in such a way that it's not healthy for you to be connected with that person, it's not appropriate for you to do this. But for most of us, we need to patch things up with people that we've gone sideways with. It's not about who's wrong and who's right. It's about whose you are. You follow me? Whose you are is so much more important than who was right and who was wrong in whatever went down. Maybe you need to find, maybe there's somebody, I don't know, I know of zero situations so I can say that. Maybe there's somebody in this room tonight that you need to kind of just patch things up with. Maybe it wasn't even a big blow up. Maybe things just got weird and you don't even know why. Make it unweird tonight. Restore your relationship with them. And then finally, Remember. You see what Jesus, the whole point of this is this is a fresh command. We have to remember Jesus' love for us. The end of every passage, the end of every command that Jesus gives us, it sends us back to the cross. Because there's no way that we could love each other the way we are without experiencing the love that Jesus gave to us when we didn't deserve it and when we were his enemies. Could the reason... You have such a hard time loving people be that you've never experienced God's love in your own life? Could that be it? Could that be what's missing? Maybe tonight you need to give your life to God. You need to take this as your moment and say, Jesus, I trust you. I trust your death on the cross. When you died in my place, you paid for my sin and I trust you. John said here earlier in this passage that by believing you can have life in his name. It's as simple as trusting Jesus. And for those of you who are believers, there's already a, a, a time when you've placed your trust in Jesus. Some of you need to go back to the cross. I need to go back to the cross because I've been a little turd lately to some people. I'll just be honest. And maybe you're the same way. Go back to the cross. We thank you for that exit music. I'm going to end with this. John went on to write another book called First John, written to some Christians, and he said this. Beloved, that's an awesome word, let us love one another for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. We love because he first loved us. Let's pray. God, it's so eye-opening. <laughs> we get so busy, we forget that people are going through stuff. And God, just from what was represented here tonight, as we went through those questions, God, my heart breaks 
for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I guess my younger brothers and sisters in Christ, God, who are struggling and who are walking through some dark things. God, we need your love and we also need to experience your love through your people. So God, this wasn't a, one of those things that we learned something new. This is something that, God, I, I pray that you've, you, you've twisted our hearts and you've moved our hearts to be more obedient in what we already know. God, that we'll find those people who need love and who need encouragement and we will lavish love on them like you lavished love on us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.